I don't know about you, but my first thought when uh, I hear the word Jeremiah is, oh dear me, thunderous judgment from God and, you know, pretty grim stuff. In reality, that, that's completely wrong. There is lots of tough prophesying, but there's a lot of lovely stuff to reassure us, support us, and perhaps gee us up when we need it. So let's go. Firstly, a reminder. We are nearly halfway through our series on the six great themes of the Bible. We've done creation, we've done corruption, we're zooming through covenant, uh, we've got Christ to come, church and consummation. Next month we will leave behind uh, the covenant topics and move into uh, topics around Jesus himself all in time for Advent and Christmas. Today, as we look at Jeremiah, we will be reminded that we have a God who speaks. This is a month of prayer, but it's not just about us making a noise, it's about listening. Sadly, from the Garden of Eden onwards, God's people have exhibited selective hearing loss and at times, total spiritual deafness. Those of us who have impaired hearing will know how isolating and frustrating that can be. It's pretty bad for those trying to speak to us as well. So it is with sin. Whenever we choose not to listen to God's words or to act only as suits us. That is why God chose and sent prophets to his people. Most prophets even Moses, and certainly Jeremiah, protested to God when he called them that they were not up to the job. Jeremiah ultimately bravely warned of God's judgment to his people. But he began, as we've seen in that passage today, uh, as a timid, youthful priest in Anathoth, which is a small village three miles north of Jerusalem. Judah's situation, as well as uh, Jeremiah's inexperience, made him want to run a mile from God's call. And we can be like that too. Bear in mind that he may have been a teenager when he began his very, very tough ministry, somewhere around 17 to 22. But this could have been a teenager, this great thunderous prophet, when he began his ministry. He began this ministry in around 627 BC, in a good time actually, because it was a time where the country was ruled, the southern kingdom, Judah, by good King Josiah, one of very few good kings. That was around 622 BC. Jeremiah kept going under four much less godly kings from 609 BC when Josiah died until 586 BC when the Babylonians came and overran the southern kingdom. Jeremiah's 40 years of ministry progressed at a time when really big storm clouds were gathering. National security was very iffy and the people continued to turn a deaf ear to God and to his covenant requirements of obedience, justice, and faithfulness to him. 
The great prophets of a hundred years earlier were Isaiah, Hosea, Amos, and Micah. And they'd been largely ignored by God's people. The northern kingdom of Israel had been dismantled by the Assyrians. Jeremiah and Ezekiel represented a new wave of prophets bringing God's unpopular message of repentance. Judah, the southern kingdom of King David, had largely survived the Assyrian invasion, but was by now a small, insecure, and very corrupt nation. When Jeremiah received God's call, the Assyrians were in decline, and in 612 BC, very ominously, that empire's capital, Nineveh, fell to the Babylonian hordes. It all feels a bit like today in Europe, you know, where it's, who knows what's going to happen, but it all feels very uncertain and very, very worrying. So God now needed to speak to his people firmly and to shock them out of their false optimism and their dash towards judgment and national disaster. So Jeremiah, at first glance, does not seem to be the robust, confident prophet who is up for the job. But God is clear, as we read verse 5, that in his strength, Jeremiah will be. The word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 4, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Being a young, timid priest of 17 to 22 didn't count. What counted was that God knew who he was and what he called him to. Now, unlike most Old Testament prophets, we learn a lot about Jeremiah from his book, which is the longest in the Bible. Life may have been tough up north in Israel, but it was tougher still to be a young priest in the south, delivering unwelcome messages to an unlistening, uh, unwelcoming people. Jeremiah actually had a very tough life. His life of obedience as a prophet was not a life full of uh, cushy glory and respect from others. Jeremiah was not free to marry or to have children. He was imprisoned, persecuted, accused of treason, exiled into Egypt, and at one point he was unable to find one just person in Judah. Now, you may not be totally receptive this morning to God's message, but boy, Jeremiah had far worse problems than anybody expounding God's word here today. It was really tough, but his message was very tough too. And it's little wonder that he was so unpopular with those who did not want to hear about God's disgust with the sinful state of his people. As it's been said by a commentator, Louis Stullman, Jeremiah was pronouncing the death of one world and the birth of another as he obediently called for the dismantling of Judah's civic, cultural 
and religious life. He would not have won many elections in this country. Now, throughout history, as I'm sure we're all aware, reformers who, like Jeremiah, have called for true repentance and have spoken boldly of the need to return to God's holy standards have had similarly difficult lives. Many have been martyred for their faithfulness to the gospel, nearly all of the early disciples, for example, and many still are being martyred today. In spite of God's firm promise to be within him, with, uh, with him wherever he sent him, it is no surprise that at times Jeremiah complained to God about his huge, unwanted task. Verses 7 and 8. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And they are probably the most important words that any believer can ever hear because it's true of us all. But we need to be reminded that in every circumstance, I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. It's been said of Jeremiah that his responses over time, if we go through the book, we'll see this, might cause one to wonder whether he is bipolar, suffers schizophrenia, or is just having a bad day. His ministry was a struggle for him, however brave he was. And another commentator has written that by the end of this book, it is clear that in spite of his misgivings about his call and all the low points of his ministry, Jeremiah's faith was big enough and bold enough to embrace the whole tragic sense of human history and to see that God has been fully involved in it. God always equips those he calls to even the hardest tasks. So at a time of vacancy, when some of us are perhaps finding it rather tough, perhaps rather uncertain, you know, God is truly with us. He will equip us and he will bless us. We can be confident in him, even if we're not terribly confident in ourselves. I'm going to leave Jeremiah a little bit behind now and just very quickly give you an overview of prophets as they work through uh, God's covenant and call people to return to God's promises and their promises to him. So Jeremiah spoke bravely in hard times, but what are the prophets as a whole? Are there key messages we can pull out, themes that we can be clear about as we work through our series? Well, there are. The prophets, all of them, revealed God's actual thoughts and his wishes about the times they lived in and about what was to come. Only Yahweh, that's God's personal name, has a universal view of what is happening in his creation. We haven't a clue, and at times we're mystified, where is our loving God in Ukraine or wherever it may be when things are so clearly uh, not in line with God's will. 
But we need to remember he is the God of history, past, present, and future. He used his chosen prophets to speak his own words to a world lost in sin. The Old Testament prophets brought warnings to individuals, the societies they lived in, and the world as a whole. They did it in the following four ways. Firstly, they used the name Adonai, Lord, the covenant name of God, to proclaim very firmly God's commands in relation to injustice and idolatry and his cause for righteousness in social, economic, political and domestic life. Sadly, they also had the grim task of warning Israel and Judah of the judgment that did come to them through brutal foreign conquest, destruction and forced exiles from homes. <coughs> not really um, a great agenda if you want to be popular. These were not messages to win any popular vote. That's the first thing. Secondly, <coughs> excuse me, the prophets called out the rich and the complacent. As Amos put it in chapter 6 and 8, those who lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on their couches, who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land. They're not soft messages, but then God's messages are not soft when we are not behaving in line with his holy will and character. Thirdly, the prophets took on the priests and religious leaders. And now you priests, this warning is for you. <coughs> if you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honour my name, I will send a curse on you, because you have not set your heart to honour me. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. That's from Malachi 2. And fourthly, the prophets confronted kings when they failed to serve the people justly. For example, Nathan bravely and bluntly told King David, I anointed you king over Israel. Why do you despise the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? That's 2 Samuel. And then Elijah told King Ahab, you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. <coughs> I am going to bring disaster on you. That's one Kings. So that's the negative sort of stuff that the prophets had to proclaim. But they also, we sometimes forget this, had encouraging words to share from God. They brought the actual voice of a loving God to his people. They reminded their people of God's love and his promises. It was through the prophets, wasn't it, that God spoke of the Messiah he was going to send, the one who was going to save them. It was through the prophets that God spoke of the end times and of his offer of redemption through Jesus, the Messiah. So the prophets brought consolation and expectation as well as challenge and dismay. 
They did this in two ways. Firstly, they clarified the future by looking forward to the day when, as Isaiah put it, Jerusalem's vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch, a light to all the world. Secondly, on the positive side of their messages, they spoke of God's grace and forgiveness and his commitment, his total commitment to his people. It was the inspired and heroic Jeremiah who John Drain described as the most open-hearted of all the prophets. We see all his emotions, as well as God's emotions, in his great book. He brought God's loving message to his people that in spite of everything, they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 31. Right, we're getting to the end. Where does that leave us? All that overview of the prophets and the message they brought <coughs> with the very voice of God. Well, we too can hear God's voice directly speaking to us his innermost thoughts and his truth. We don't necessarily need great prophets. They've got, they, we've got God's words. We've got his actual word in the Bible. We have got the church with all the various gifts which enable us, if we listen, to hear God's voice. God is a holy God, which is why he acts in judgment. He's not just a cuddly, easy God who we can manipulate. He is holy, he seeks justice, and we have to fall into line with him if we want to be truly blessed. It is because he was a holy God and such a loving God that he gave his people and the world as a whole the opportunity to gain by faith the safe passage of salvation. He did this, of course, as we all know, by sending his son Jesus the greatest priest and prophet of them all, to take our punishment, to take our sin, and get rid of it forever, to deal with it once and for all on the cross. The God-given words of judgment and redemption brought to us by the Old Testament prophets, by John the Baptist and by Jesus himself, cover all the major themes in the Bible. Best of all, however, they still bring to us in our world today the actual voice, words and heart of a loving God. He still wants to make sure that we both hear and heed his warnings so that we will enjoy to the full the blessings he has always planned for us in this life and in the next. So the prophets are an absolutely huge part of God speaking to his people. And he's still speaking to the church today, but is the church listening? He's speaking to us, but are we listening? 
we need to give him some space. We're going to do that now as we end. Uh, I'm going to pose three questions based on the, uh, the passage we've just looked at. So three questions for us all. We will all need a bit of time to reflect on those questions and time to respond to the Lord in the quiet as individuals. These questions are not named at anybody in particular, but at everybody, so we can reflect on them. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time. It's up to each one of us as to how we respond, how we pray now to God. First question. What is God saying to me today about how well and regularly I listen to him? What is God saying to me today about how well and how regularly I listen to him? The second question now, they're both challenging, I guess. What is God saying to me today about how bravely I speak up for him? What is God saying to me today about how bravely I speak up for him? And the third and final question. What is God saying to me today about my confidence in his love, my salvation through Jesus, and my future with him. What is God saying to me today about my confidence in his love, my salvation through Jesus, and my future with him? Thank you, Lord, that you are indeed a God who speaks in various ways because you love us and you want the best for us. We pray that you would take our responses now, our quiet prayers, and that you'd continue to work in each one of our lives, that we might face up to your challenges and what you know is best for us, that we might more and more be the people you want us to be, who listen to you fully and respond obediently who are willing to stand up for you and to have the courage to share what we believe in and to have full confidence in your love, in what you have won for us through Jesus and to be quietly sure and confident in our future with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our God who speaks Help us to listen properly in the coming days and to allow you to bless us as you wish to. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.